Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor John and I talk about the relationship between the preached Word and the sacrament of baptism. We also conclude our series entitled Fearless. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Preaching. Uh, good to be back in the armchair, the actual armchair. This is the first yes, week in three weeks. We are in front of each other. We have not been virtual. So good to see you again, John. You as well. You and as well. You got the matching bow tie and pocket square going on. So yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a Paul, Paul Sewage mode right now. Kind of in a Paul Sewage mood. As I've said, they're, they're, you hang around here, the bow ties are contagious. They definitely can be. They can be. And... Um, you know this. This uh, we're going into the summer, so you know, always a good idea to kind of like lighten the lighten the the the, the vibe the vibe a little bit. <laughs> um, so this week we are finishing up our series entitled Fearless. And for those that watched Vine this past week, we had a unique service because we had five full immersion baptisms, which we have not done in a while. And how uh, long has it been? This predates predates me. Yeah, so I think the last time we did full immersion in Vine was 2017, 2018. Oh. So it's been five, six, five or six years. No, it had to be in 2017 because yeah, it predate you. Were, you came in 2019. Uh, Mike retired in 2018. It wasn't that year. It must have been the year before, and it might have even been the year before that. I have to go back and look at my notes. It's been a while. Mm. Um, because we are Presbyterian, we don't we don't keep baptismal fonts of that that kind on hand. So we have to borrow from our friends the the Baptists, and they're always gracious to loan us one. Thank you to our friends in the Baptist Church. Yeah, the La- the Lakes Church, formerly the First Baptist Church at the Mall. Give a little shout out to uh, to them. They're always gracious because bab- they are Baptists. So Baptist. This form of baptism, full immersion is, baptism, is the norm. It's at the heart of their theology, yeah. and uh, so they always have extras. They always have spares. Um, they build them into their architecture, and then they have spares left over. So we 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 are gracious. Uh, we're so great, grateful to them for graciously allowing us to use their their tank this week. And uh, but I want to talk. One of the things I don't know that is widely known. I mean, if you've been in the Presbyterian Church any length of time, you probably people know this. But if you haven't. Our official designation in terms of the denomination, so the Presbyterian Church, is not pastor. It's not minister. Senior pastor, outreach pastor. Those are those are things we we name ourselves. Yeah, those are part of like our job descriptions at an individual church. But in the our constitution, um, we are designated as ministers of word and sacrament. Mm -hmm. So. That's a really important part of our theology, the sacrament and the word. Um, those are the, the big means of grace, so to speak. So I just want to talk about, I don't know that we've ever really talked about the relationship that we have with the sacraments and what kind of our own kind of thoughts about it. They're, they're, they're all, obviously, they're big grand theological statements that are made about the, the, the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, but I wonder if you just talk for a second, John, about your your own thoughts, experiences, uh, theologies behind how you uh, bring together those two elements, mm-hmm. which we have in a, in an ordinary worship service, yeah. word 
in sacrament. I remember it being in a in a uh, theology class in Princeton, and, and um, one of the one of the co- the conversation was about the relationship between the the preached word, the word of the w- written word, the word incarnate. Yeah. So there's the the word part of it, and the sacraments. And of course, in our tradition, we have two sacraments: baptism and the Lord's Supper. And I remember I remember uh, being convinced even, even then, thinking, yeah, it really needs to be not only hardwired connected to the work that we do because we are we we get to bear the word bring the word and we get to officiate the sacraments but also that visibly this is the thing that's that stands out visibly if you'll notice that in most presbyterian churches and certainly in in, in this church and every church that i have served the table the bat, the communion table and the baptismal Apparatus, whatever it happens to be, font most of the time, which is a smaller receptacle for holding water, they are both always visible. Yeah, and it's and, and again, I think most of the time we don't think about that or talk about that. I, I know I've had some questions in the past of, can we just move that big table out of the way because it's taking up room? And I said, we we can, as in we have the ability to do that. Physically, we can do that, but we ought not to do that. <laughs> yeah, but we don't want to, and in particular, I don't want to, because in in our own theology, we say that there is a, there is a connection between the, these two. That that we we are here to proclaim the word and seal. That's the word S E A L. Seal that word yeah. in sacrament. Yeah. So the sacraments themselves become a a way that the word itself gets in, sort of attached to and embodied in, in, into our lives in, a, in using tangible elements mm-hmm. and so so it's a, it is an important part and we don't think about it and we don't talk about it much we just do it yeah more than anything it's yeah. uh which i think that that's right also all you know theology is always a secondary reflection on on the primary work of worship the yeah. actual act of worship but but when you do step back you say yes the word itself uh, is followed by baptism for the, yeah. for those times like this weekend for, for in vine mm-hmm. and and the regular times of communion that we have yeah, because for us, the the preached word is an extension of communicating about the incarnate word, as you as you just mentioned, and then the sacraments are a seal, a sign and seal on, on the grace of God extended through the word. So there, there's such this. There's a lot more we can say about it. I mean, we have books on our shelves yeah, that yeah. that go through um, the theology of it, but it's 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 very important. And this is one of the reasons we are not apt in the Presbyterian Church to divorce the sacrament from a regular service of worship, um, and not just place it. You know, hey, we're going to go out to, you know, uh, just we're just going to start baptizing people yeah. without. Now there are beach services, and, and you talked about in your former church, um, and we can uh, touch base on this a little bit. I think it would be interesting for people to know that you would do an extension of a church service yeah. to the beach, but the service doesn't the the worship doesn't end until that that sacrament is done right yeah. um and, and even when we do like holy communion and we do um homebound communion it's an extension of the communion that's shared with the whole the whole community and that's why it's important to do it in the community that's one of the things i love about our tradition is we tie the sacraments to community yeah, it's one of the best things, and, and yes, it, it uh, to say it the, to say it the opposite way, what we don't do is we don't do private baptisms, we don't do private uh, communion, we don't do uh, private home communion. It is a, it is understood to be an extension of the the full community at work. And I would say because we lived in it was a beach community, and um, you talk about the Baptist helping you out. I you know when I first started doing beach baptisms, uh, I had to call the Baptist my Baptist friend down the street and say, "How do you get them in?" 
Like, how do you get yeah. them under? Do you put? Does it forwards, backwards, straight down? You put your hand on the head, squish them down. <laughs> how, how do you get them in the get them in the water? So he did, and it looked. I, I watched you online. It looked very similar where you, they yeah. kind of cross their arms and they plug their they plug their nose like Megan did, um, yeah. and just and go over go over backwards so they don't get water up their nose. But but um, but uh, people have asked me that. What people I'm sure have asked you is like, can I? I've got someone coming to town. I got family member. They're here on a Thursday night. Can you come over to our family swimming pool and, and, and baptize them? them, or can we come up to the church and do a, do a private baptism? And just for those who are listening, the answer will always be no. No. Yeah. We no. Do, we will not do a private baptism because we understand it to be a part a part of the act of the community of worshiping worshipers yeah not only that not only is it an act of the community but there's also part in particular with baptism there's a part of the baptismal ceremony where we look at the eyes of the congregation and say this is not these are promises that are not just made by the individuals being baptized if they're old enough or by the parents for the for their children but it's an act for the congregation as well the congregation makes a commitment yeah and and you can't do that if you're not a part of the community and again it goes back to the theology of Christ right so you have the incarnate word Jesus Christ coming on on a mission to bring the word of God um, through his ministry to the earth to the people then the church is an extension of the body of Christ that's why we're called the body of Christ Christ and our mission is an extension of Christ's mission. So if you're being baptized into Christ, there needs to be a connection with his his wider with the body of Christ as well. Otherwise it's because and this is where I think the Presbyterian theology of this is really amazing especially as we kind of push back against the individualistic nature of all of our culture, but especially of our of faith communities. Well, it's me and it's just me and my Jesus, right? Well, that's great, but but you and if you're really reading who Jesus is and and knowing who Jesus is, Jesus has uh, designed it so that you are a part of His body, the community um, called the church, and so that's why we do it. Now there we ha- there the the way we've made exceptions to that are in special needs cases. I've I've done baptisms in homes of of a family member or child with special needs who. who is immunocompromised, and but even then, I'm sure you. But even then, language and had some accommodation yeah. representation. We had representation the, from the, the whole session. church yeah. of the body of Christ. Yes, yeah, we've had representation from the body of Christ. We've had we always bring two elders, um, and they represent the body of Christ to that that family. And it's amazing in those cases. I've had those elders come back to me and and ask how those families are doing to check because they fulfilled the vows they on made behalf the, on the, the behalf of the whole church yeah. and so there's that whole thing that whole connection so yeah we talk talk a little bit about your own personal kind of like what does it mean to you oh yeah well it's to to look at i was just looking at someone the other day who graduate who's graduated just graduated from high school and i remember baptizing her as an infant yeah so when we get to that stage it is it is powerful in the moment yeah to, to think, and I, I usually in my conversations with the parents ahead of time, said this is really a big deal. Yeah. And I know it's a big deal for you, and it's a big deal for your. It's not a big deal for your child if they're infants because they have no idea what's going on. Yeah. It's usually a pretty good deal for the for like the five that you had on 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 Sunday. Yeah. That's a big deal for them. They know there's some some. This is a a big moment uh, for them. But for us and for me, it mm-hmm. is a, it's pretty emotional. Always, um, yeah. Even communion itself, if I'm, if I'm really present in that moment and present in the officiating, I'm realizing that 
I have the privilege. Yeah, it's a privilege. Yeah. Of being able to to do this thing, which does this other work of uniting this congregation mm-hmm. with with Christ through the bread, through the cup, in the in the water. The the water itself being a fountain of rebirth and deliverance. Yeah. Is something that I get to be a part of with mm-hmm. with these families. It is. It is a rare privilege, and, it, and you feel it in the in the moment. You as well. That 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 word privilege is probably the best word you can use. Um, baptisms, because they're less frequent, uh, there's a, a specific impact. And you just mentioned with with communion, we always have to be very prayed up that we are in the moment. Especially in our church, we have a we have a service that they we practice Holy Communion every Sunday, and and there's there's a, there's some really great positives to that 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 is always available to our community. Um, the downside for us who are in in that mode is that we sometimes will be tempted to take it for granted, and uh, but to be very conscientious yeah. about taking that oh, privilege. And, there, and, and to be, don't think it's all, we got it all figured out there. There have been plenty of times where we've just gone, <clears throat> it's gone we've gone through the motions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> well, and, and, and for the baptisms, like this week, like you said, you know, with the, the five baptisms that we did, they were all um, they were all adolescents or young adults. So making professions of faith for themselves um, after you know, go. You know, most of them were 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 children of the church. They had been in the church for since they were babies, infants. Um, but the families had made the the choice to have baptism reserved for for them to be able to make that that conscious um, conscious decision. And and we don't have time to really get into the theology of you know, infant baptism and and believer baptism and why we do both and why we accept both. Um, but, I, but I do think it's important for everybody to know that there is a <clears throat> significant theological backstory absolutely. for why we do what we do, because mm-hmm. I know we've got a world where, where there's churches out there saying if you baptize an infant, you are, that, that is absolutely erroneous yeah. practice and you should not be doing that, and we disagree. Yeah. And uh, we, think diff- think, we think things differently about the Lord's Supper as well. Yeah. And I come out of a tradition where they think that there's a metaphysical change to the yeah. bread and to the cup that you don't you don't see it in in its, in its actual form, but the internal essence of the thing of the bread and the, and the cup changes to the body and blood of Jesus. Yeah. And I I've came out of that and I walked away from that. Yeah. So I have a different understanding of that. So there's a lot of backstory, theological backstory on these um, what we understand to be true in these sacraments. And typically, we are explaining that when we are in the or at least parts of that nuance. In the invitation to the Lord's Supper, in the explanation of baptism, you know. So, if people are in a, a, a service of worship and they're 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 participating in a sacrament, and and even those that are not being baptized, if they're in the congregation, yeah. they are participants. Yes, uh, they are not just passive observers. We we do even this past Sunday. Uh, prayed that people would remember their own baptism, yeah. that they're to remember their own commitments and their own the covenant uh, relationship that they have with the Lord yeah, in that it's, moment. It's, it's at its best if the if if the entire congregation will experience the baptism of anybody who comes forward for baptism as a as a renewal of their own baptism. Absolutely, vows. but that's why when we're saying those words up front, it's not filler. <laughs> Right, you know, we're 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 actually trying to explain in in as succinct a way as possible 
the theology of what we're trying to do in that moment. And so when we do infant baptism, we, we bring out some of the, the nuances of, you know, the continuation of, of the Old Testament covenant, you know, and, and circumcision and how baptism, and even this week, you know, baptism is not salvation, right? It doesn't put God under obligation. It is a sign of, for, for those that are believers, that it's a sign of obedience and inclusion in the covenant community. It's it, it's that public declaration, but it is powerful. And mm. I and I my my first um, so yeah. I, yeah. What was it like for you to to have done that to walk away from Sunday having baptized five young adults? Young adults. Well, you know, you talk about it in reverse because I remember like so one of the one of the the girls that I baptized um, her mom uh, came to this church because I met her making a sub at Publix. So I, I was brand new here at FPC, the Publix that's around the corner. I went to the Publix to get to get a sub for lunch. I struck up a conversation, told her I was the new pastor here. Uh, several weeks later, she showed up. And uh, at that time, her daughter was four years old. No, young. Uh, some, some young. I mean, yeah, it was, yeah. she was an elementary school student, and now for her to be an eighth grader um, and making her own declaration of faith. I mean, that's that. That was that's just one example. I mean, the two brothers that I baptized. I mean, they. I've known them since they were three and and five. You know, and to see them grow up in our children's ministry and now be heading. Uh, they're in youth ministry, um, but then Seth. You know, Seth, who's the the adult. Um, in the room, young adult came to our church because of uh, the ministry of Tim Timmy's, and has really blossomed in his faith, and is really, a, I mean, he's dug in. I mean, he's yeah. he, he's he's he, a leader. He's a leader. He's a servant, and and for him to say, I've not, he never been baptized. So to make that declaration, just those kinds of stories for me. Um, and and there's always those types of stories, right? You, you you mentioned the ones where you look, you you get to baptize someone, you look down the road. The first baptism I ever did here uh, at FPC was for a the daughter of a of a girl uh, of a woman now who I went to high school with, you know, and I wasn't even a believer when really, I mean, I was a, a pastor's kid, but not really a believer when I knew her in high school. And then the way God's sovereign plan works, she ends up in Lakeland. She's she's she, you know she's married to a Lakelander. They go to church here. She has uh, three three daughters, and her youngest daughter had yet to be baptized. And literally, my first week here, she asked if I could be the one to baptize her, her daughter. Um, and her daughter's the same the age as my son. And 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 so it, yeah, it was uh, um, just or same the, as my daughter actually. So yeah, it's there, there is something about you do. It's sort of like weddings. You you feel a sense of uh, both pride and ownership. Mm-hmm. You know, pr- pride in the sense that that I'm really happy to for for them. I'm, I'm privileged to be, in, be to have been a part of it, and and ownership was like, yeah, they're one of mine. Yeah, not that that you know, it's just like I, I was the one who did the baptism for yeah. this one. I was the one who officiated their their wedding. So, and you always, I I, I always look at like I said, the the young girl who's mm-hmm. who's graduating high school. I just saw her, that she graduated high school. I said I was the one who baptized her. Yeah, and the, and that that's a milestone that that you get to stand again. That privilege. <laughs> Position, you know that that's really humbling yeah. to be in that moment, and then that and that families um, that we get to be a part of those those conversations with families. We get to be a part of those conversations. I had a little, you know, I had a prayer time with all of the, you know, I had spoken to all the baptizees beforehand, in you know, individually or in the case of the brothers, you know, as, as brothers. But then um, 
But then beforehand, we just kind of gathered together, circled up after we talked through all the logistics, because, again, our our space is not has not been built for this. So we have to talk through where do you go? What do you do? Where do you get dried off? So afterwards, we're just kind of in the kitchen, which is probably the least sacred place yeah. in the building. And I just ta- just reiterated, this is a very big deal. This is a very big deal for for this congregation. It's a very big deal for you. And I said, it's a very big deal for me. And then just had some time of prayer. But then as I look back, I think, how appropriate is it that we're, we're, you, we're in this really ordinary place, this kitchen, which is so yeah. servant-oriented to talk about something so sacred, because that's really what the sacraments are, very ordinary elements that because of the the power of the Holy Spirit, I mean, water is as, as ubiquitous an element as there is on the planet. And yet, this is the means of grace that God has chosen to communicate His goodness to us. Well, I mean, how what a privilege that is for us. I think that's amazing. Love it. Yeah, yeah and that yeah. sets up. You know, we this week that was followed um, by our the last week in our series entitled "Fearless," and so yes. we're talking about. A very different fear. You you kind of selected this as one of the fears we were going to tackle, the fear yeah. of strangers. Yeah. So, what not, was your? What I'm was not your sure. Re- I realized going in that 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 it really was going to have a different feel to it than yeah. the other ones did because the other ones seemed more sort of I don't know life wide d- deeper. Yeah, I don't know. This one seemed more for narrowly focused on particular individuals who make us uncomfortable. Yeah. Was there a reason that you thought this was an important topic for us to to kind of tackle just as a community? I think it is, but was there a reason that you yeah, had that? Yeah. And I think I think you and I both we both fleshed it out that the reason the reason going in that I thought it would be important is because w- there is a mindset of, and you said you used the phrase. I wrote it down. Um, isolation. I think you said something about isolation yeah. and, and loneliness. Uh, loneliness. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's a that is a that is a reality that we know exists, and that rather than disengaging with the people who are all around us, um, that we would actually do the opposite. That we yeah. find ourselves in, in, engaging them in order to see some other good thing happen. So some, that was all in the mix of the mindset. Said this is something that whatever anxieties people might have uh, about that, that we should hear that there's a different mindset that God gives us about them. And I thought it was important too um, because you know we are with more and more bad news and you know we get more and more bad news all the time and it's always about you know groups of people there's such a such a temptation for us to create this us versus them mentality i think this is one of the themes for the last couple of years that we've we we have continued to kind of Hmm. cycle back to and i think it's important because especially in our in our context it'd be very easy for us to get into this kind of uh, a spiritual enclave like we have it together too bad for you guys right yeah. and and and, well, the and, world, the world is shaping that way, shaping out absolutely. to be that way. The, the, it's it's so much easier these days to get yourself into a camp, yeah, where the the echo chamber effect is real, where all you're listening to are the voices of the other people in your camp. Meanwhile, which is which in some ways is, is fine, probably healthy in some other ways to have people around that you can commiserate with, where sure. you feel of mm-hmm. some solidarity with them. But to the what's happening is it's done to the to the exclusion of the reality of the others that are around that there are all there are lots of other people from lots of other camps that we are disengaging from. Yeah, because we're as 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 a as a country. I mean, and I think just speaking from the American context, we're becoming a far more um, 
diverse country, but more isolated and segregated, I yeah. think, ideologically, which is very interesting. You know, it's it's even amongst people that kind of think mostly similarly similarly we still then kind of can you know box ourselves off yeah. into subcategories and, and i almost think that we feel that i, I there, there's been ideological differences in the history of the of the church and there's been plenty of times where, we, where they fought like cats and dogs absolutely in the history of the church because of those ideological differences but um but what they didn't have then that we do have now is we have the ideological differences jumping into our eyeballs absolutely. every single day we yeah. see it like we've never seen it before mm-hmm. and that that adds a level of intensity to it and it and it and it creates the pushback and it creates the things we were we were really addressing which is that I don't want to be a part of those people I don't like those people they're not like me mm-hmm. uh, and it, so it creates that arms distance between you and that other person and and you and I were both saying the same thing on, in our own ways on Sundays that that is not of God that's not of God and that's not how God has ever intended it to be yeah even though um, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts because neither one of us really di- dived into this. This is one of those – it was in my head, but I didn't really dive into it. One of the challenges with with the uh, the, with the, um, the people of God throughout history is they've always cycled into this us versus them kind of mentality. The Jewish people have always had that kind of difficulty. Yeah. But God, from the get-go in Leviticus, said that's not the way it was supposed to be, but – I mean, even by the time you get to the G- to Jesus in the New Testament church, you see this radical sort of Gentiles are all evil and and, yeah, and, and they're, they're dug in, they're, they're, yeah. they're well entrenched, and and so you know I, I didn't really dig into that at all, but there there's this this temptation for all of us to say. I am who I am. I'm going to be. I don't want to be associated with those sorts of people. Or and we yeah. both use the term the other mm. several times. Um, I think. The word stranger has a lot of kind of weird connotations. We both use the word stranger, but I think we both also use the word other mm. to kind of underscore the idea that we're not talking about some threatening person, but right. we're talking about just another person, right? Yeah. And um, it, it was interesting. We both kind of hit around the same ideals, but we reversed the order of the scriptures, how we, right. we, we text it. So what was your thought about why tackling the Old Testament passage first? Yeah, I just it, it, I wanted to build it up, build up to Hebrews to, yeah. to get because Hebrews can't come then becomes the punchline. Yeah. Like, you know, hey, this is the backstory. Here's what here's what the writer of Hebrews did with that. So it's just a, it was really a, a decision. It could have gone just as easily the, the the look back look back version, but uh, and plus it's it's fun to get the uh, get, get that backstory. Yeah, and to get not only the call to to uh, to treat the outsiders as native native. Native born, but also the 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 um, the example of that that we both went to with Abraham. Yeah, which of course you're going to do that because you have the story in in, in Hebrews. Yeah, and you think about the 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 reference in the book of Hebrews. When I was a kid, I remember a lot of well, what does that mean? The angels unaware. What does that mean? Are there actually angels among us? I mean, that whole ideal, and 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 maybe that's a fine debate to have in conversation. I don't know that. That 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 was really the Hebrew writer, Hebrews writer's intention. I think he was intentionally, as we both brought out, alluding to the, the Abraham story. The Abraham story, who actually did entertain angels, but he was fully aware that they were of God and messengers of God. If he even references them as Lord in that passage, but how 
how wonderful uh, an illustration for the Hebrews people, the Hebrew people that were reading this New Testament book to say, oh yeah, we have that we have that story yeah. in our back background about this. So uh, uh, you know, hearing you say that, it's interesting that neither one of us uh, emphasized that part of that passage. Yes, we were on the first part of the, the that sentence in verse two: uh, "Do not neglect hospitality." Not on the "Who knows you might entertain angels." Part. Did you have a rationale behind why you? No, why I, you don't, didn't? I don't think so. I just think, I just didn't. It just didn't seem like, especially in this sermon with that backstory, with this context, it didn't make sense that 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 would. It's not like you would. I would want to say to a congregation, "You get to entertain angels yeah. and, and do this so that so that you can entertain angels." Yeah, you know, it's like yeah, that that's just the icing on the cake. You, yeah. You you might you might find yourself who knows yeah the main thing is do this well one commentator i read and i, I think it was warren wearsby he talked about the idea that you know we think of angels as these angelic beings but, but really in the greek it's it's messenger of god someone who is just carrying the message of god to you and he was he i, th- I think it was warren wearsby I, I could be wrong he was reflecting on how many times people that he barely knew or didn't know at all have been a, a blessing of God that he had he not you know engaged, engaged in the them. relationship I didn't go down that path either because I again like you said I I think this is one of those decisions we have to make is okay what's the focus what are we hoping people to get away are we hoping for them to get away to look for people to be blessings in their lives okay maybe that's an application point but if you had another five more minutes, maybe you go down that that path. But really, it was the idea of do not be isolated. Look at other people, and I love you. You talked about looking at people as made in the image of God. Yeah, and I loved your your illustration of you know what do you do in an airport. You know, you start actually imagining the stories. You start imagining those stories and praying for opportunities to yep. engage them um, with the gospel or with with with. That's funny because you know, I I had not really been self-aware of the fact that I did that until I was thinking about that in this context. Yeah. And yeah. of course I had just I had just traveled and I realized then that I I've done that a lot. I yeah. do that regularly when I'm sitting by myself just you know putting that story together. So just the, those the opportunities and that was really in service to there are opportunities all around us all the time. Yeah. You know, or how, how are we Stepping into those opportunities, are we yeah. willing to do that? Yeah. By the way, I I, um, I I noticed that you and I both did the the same thing, um, and I wonder if you there's some intentionality with you. You started out with McGruff and the and McGruff uh, the crime the dog, crime yeah. dog, which is great great yeah. illustration that you, you had the crowd. I could hear them giving the answers uh, at oh, the yeah. time. Uh, but the the little girl who goes into the car yeah. with the with the bad guy, Jenny, yeah, uh, don't talk to strangers was the yeah. the, the key to all that. But and I started about with the scary guy coming towards you with the gar- with gun and, coat, yeah. and all, all that. The when we, other than I mean I literally said just run get yeah. get away from that person. Yeah. There's a whole separate conversation that needs to be had about the life of that person. Yeah, yeah. and I just left it alone. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the thing that. And I and I mentioned this. There are plenty of reasons to be scared of people we don't know. I yeah. Mean, there, but what we tend to do, and I think what what our, our sinful nature tends to do, is to say, "I'm going to analyze. I'm going to approach everybody from the from the standpoint of threat, rather than approach everybody from the standpoint of grace." And I, I didn't put it this way in the message, but that was in my the back of my head was because we have this built in 
to, to our psyche. And I just, I, I know myself, I'm a child of the eighties, right? So the, the don't talk to strangers, you, you talked about your, your kids and, and me were roughly the same age. So the, the idea, the stranger danger and the code words and all these different things. I mean, you build these things up because there are legitimate threats. I mean, there, there, that's not a, that that's the reality. But it, what happens is it rewires our relationships with people we don't know in general. Yeah, yeah. Percentage-wise, the number of people who fall in that category of truly a threat to us it's minuscule. is minuscule. When 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 we have now these ninety-eight percent of the other people, ninety-nine percent of the other people who are not that that kind of a threat, and yet we start mapping on these same attitudes Absolutely. of keeping them away and creating some distance in them, as opposed to. Uh, opening ourselves up to them. Well, so that was really where I wanted to approach this is saying, look, it's yes, there are reasons, right? And I think the more we get these this bad news and more shootings and things like that, we then project out that there are more and more people that are threats. So we're constantly bombarded with people are threats, other people are threats. But the but the but the again the reality, like you said, is that that's not. There are threats, sure, but that's not the majority of the case. So what do we do? And and the fact is. Christ has called us to be um, not just ho- hospitable, and I love we both of us talked about the how we put hospitality in a box, right? This is this is hospitality, but to actually love them, yeah, as ourselves, as family members. Yeah. So the Old Testament, New Testament, that's that's the real key. Well, and then the practically, uh, and you didn't use this in your sermon, but I'm going to use it from what you said earlier. Is that practically the way that works out? Is the person who is helping you at Publix in the deli in mm-hmm. Publix. Yeah. You strike up a conversation with them because you don't see that person as different, less than other, some other category, some other thing other than a beloved of God, you know, image of God, created being that you have a connection with, and you just treat them that way, not yeah. not to do anything anything particular with it, not to not to, to to use it as a as a as an entree for anything else. Just start with how about treating them like a human being? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like the golden rule principle. I didn't mention this, but it was in yeah. my notes. It was this is really the basis of the golden rule, right? This is the basis of the golden rule for other people. And yet, the <laughs> fact the fact that that Jesus would in, would include the golden rule, the fact that we would need yeah. to be reminded of the golden rule, is because we forget the we golden forget rule it all the time, and we forget when we're in in the situation where that person is has an accent or have a different skin color to us, or they dress differently, they look what we would consider you know odd or what what not that that. That, that it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah, they this, have a story. They have a story. Yeah, I they, love that you, you you talked about that as well. There, that there's a there's this. Everyone has this story. It was under the the, the part about um, overcoming fear of strangers takes imagination. Yeah. You talked about the fact that the Sonder, which I love that. Yeah, but that, every every person has a name. Every name has a story, and every story matters to yeah. God. Yeah, and it's, and it, and as and this is the part where we. We, we limit it, and I think it was great. It was funny. You you used an illustration of how you uh, foster the feeling of sonder in the Miami airport, and I defined it where we, where we limit it is every person has a story that is equally as valid and vivid as my own. Yeah. And we say, yeah, everybody has a great story. But then we say, well, it's not, it's not as important as I got my, a better, mine's, I got a better story. Mine's better. My pain I is thought m- complex was an interesting word, too, is that it's, in, it's equally valid and complex. I thought well, that was great because yeah. it's true. Yeah. And I think because, you know, we – and I, again, cutting room floor, more time, we would say this, because we flatten people down, right, according to their race – 
according to their gender, according to their, their the clothing that they wear, according to the car they drive, according to, like you just said, their accent. Yeah. We flatten all, them down. All demographic categories, yeah, according we, to all those. We just flatten them down and say, wait, wait a minute. Those are all kind of part of what you see, but the behind is so much more nuanced and complex. And, and, and referencing back to something that you preached on uh, several weeks ago, God don't make junk, right? Yeah. So every person you see is a treasure. Yeah. To the to the to the mind and the heart of God, and and how dare we treat them as anything less? Yeah. Treat them as anything less than that? I mean, that's just it, Matt, so you talk about talk about imagination, though. Yeah. Imagine a congregation who was getting this really well down. Yeah, yeah. they were getting this. They, they were doing this really really well. Yeah. I think it'd be a, a game changer. Yeah, it would, it would. where the game where, where the congregation wherever they found themselves, they're walking down the hallways of the church, their church, their 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 businesses or their schools or their neighborhoods or the stores or wherever they end. That that, that that's the mindset that they have. Mm-hmm. They're looking for opportunities to 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 just see people and and and, and love on people and bless people. Huh. Yeah, that's a game changer. It really is, and 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 regardless of their own individual personalities, right? One of the things that you kind of hinted at, and I thought you might uh, flesh it out um, a little bit, and I didn't touch on it at all. I thought about it, but the difference. People say, "Well, you, you mentioned your mom and dad. Your your mom is a very gregarious, outgoing person. Your dad, um, much, very reserved. Uh, more when, reserved when it comes to social settings yeah. and initiating social settings. But then you did say towards the end." Your mom never met a stranger. She went, but your dad still was loving and hospitable towards the stranger. Yeah, he did it in his own way, right? Yeah. And so, I wonder if we could talk for just a few moments as we close out today. Just what does it look like for uh, for the? I mean, for the extrovert, it seems easy, right? Um, in in the room at Vine, you know, one of our wonderful congregants, Tracy Carley, ah, was talk, Jello. talking to me about Jello <laughs> casserole. No, wait, yeah. not not Jello. What she call it? Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, it congealed was, salad. Or congealed something. salad. She, she, you know, she's a, she's an extrovert. You know, it's very easy for her. Doesn't meet strangers. She every person that meets her um, feels uh, like 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 she loves them, right? But for the introvert. What? How do you? How do? You, how, yeah. how do you see that play out? Well, I think it starts for the introvert, especially for the introvert. The the mental part of what you and I both did the same. We both had two points, and they were roughly the same thing said differently. Yeah. And it starts with the real the, the imagination part yeah. is how you said it. It starts with the imago dei, which is the image of God part, which I was saying is it starts by just you. It, it, if. It has to start this way. You have to see the other person as not someone to be feared, as someone beloved of God, who's made in the image of God. And all the whatever else you see in that other person um, is is of God. And it and only then and only then. I don't know that anybody would would if they didn't see that. And they would even begin to even open up to the idea of, yeah. of connecting with them. Once you can see that connection to to the introverts out there, I would say once you can see that that person through the lens of God, once you can see them through those beloved um, and made something something about them reflecting the image of God, I think only then will you be, be able to open yourself up to possibilities. And then you just, I would say to them, just just. Be open. Yeah, and you mentioned it when you're talking, describing your uh, your time in the Miami airport. It, it's it's it's, and, and this was not part of either one of our messages, except for you mentioning it in your own experiences. It's the imagination and then prayer for opportunity, and and I mm. think. I think one of the and I I, I could I'm an, an I'm an introvert by by all accounts. One of the things that that I think a lot of introverts feel like 
it's it's a competition in terms of like the the quantity of people that you reach out to and an extrovert is going to have a very easy time reaching uh, or talking to or extending the love of god to a wide range of people where the introvert can say no 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 it's how can i dig deep to one other person right yeah. it's 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 figuring out how to foster and pray through and imagine and pray through those relationships how can i dig deep to one other person uh may i add like jesus did like jesus did yes yeah. so it's <laughs> while he spoke to multitudes he dug deep he poured into yeah. small number and very small number for the introvert it is it's a it's a fair amount of prayer to get to that point to say lord give me the because god's going to give you the opportunity based on your unique personality yeah. gifts he's not going Wasn't that to you that did something with the cups uh, two yeah. weeks ago that your your capacity as a cup so the extrovert might be yeah. have the capacity for for talking to and, and engaging with a hundred people yeah. and you might have the capacity to talk talk to and engage five yeah and the and and the to feel like there's something wrong yeah. with the five is to I think to, is to feel something that is not of God either. Well, what was the parable? The ninety nine and the one. Right? Yeah, I mean, you it's, said it's that. One, it's one sheep, ninety nine sheep. I mean, so for the for the extrovert, it's to the the challenge then is to not just be superficial with a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, and call still that go, still go deep with, with yeah, some yeah and, and call that the hospitality of God to strangers or the love of God to strangers because remember it's love as yourself um, it's familial love extended to strangers so the extrovert might have it easier in terms of striking up the conversation but will they dig deep whereas the introvert might have a harder time approaching crossing that Rubicon of, of awkward conversation but not feel like that that's enough yes but then then really pray to go deep so it's it, it's for everybody and when we pray through that god is not going to bring us those moments that are ill that we're ill-equipped to handle he's created us with a purpose and, yeah. and, and designed us to reach the people that he's given us to reach yeah. but we got to be open to it yeah i do think it gives, puts you at ease i might say that too it puts you at ease to to think that that person has is not essentially different than 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 yeah. you yeah. to say yeah there's there's an, there's an essential sameness to, to us even though they look different sound different dress different whatever there's yeah. an essential sameness and that's one of the advantages of having traveled the world you've known this as mm-hmm. well having traveled the world and been in these other cultures and seeing that oh they they do the they they value the same basic things that mm. i that i value as well there's that it, it, it does tend to put you at ease yeah absolutely well it's been a it's been an incredible series i hope people have uh have enjoyed it this week coming up it's a little different yeah so john tell us a little bit about what's happening this sunday june this will be june 5th so so one of my um, <clears throat> professors actually was in charge of the Department of uh, Doctor of Ministry program you just finished, Zach. Yeah, right. um, the, the guy who was in charge of that department uh, was one of my professors, taught a fabulous course on disciple-making, and, um, and wrote the book Discipleship Essentials, written six other books as well, part of the Global Discipleship Initiative, which is this whole movement that is, that is literally around the world to, to try to, to equip people to be a person and to be part of a congregation who makes disciples, who makes Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, yeah. and he is um, thanks to our good uh, Rebecca Mem has been invited here, and he's going to be leading a seminar 
uh, on Saturday, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and it will be in all worship services, all three worship services on Sunday morning. Yeah, so Reverend Dr. Greg Ogden, a former pastor, professor, going to be here this Sunday. All three services, people have asked, how's that going to work? Because we have two services concurrently, and the answer is, um, it will work. Um, <laughs> we, we, it does work. We have done, We've it, done it, before. it before. We have done it before. It's not our first time around. I want to say that if you're going to watch, if you if you can only watch services this Sunday, watch Vine because classic will not be it'll be a pre-recorded service from last year on discipleship it'll be you or me i can't remember yeah. who was preaching that day uh but it'll be a pre-recorded service because he's not going to be here on, on thursday. thursday yeah so it'll be uh watch the vine if you want to hear greg Ogden speak yes absolutely that's a that's a Online. great that's a great point that thank you for that and then uh so next week um i'm going to be out of town uh we uh, pastor john will be interviewing uh, uh dr ogden uh for armchair preaching that will uh probably drop the week of June the 13th um, we'll have a double episode that week so be on the lookout for that um, it's going to be a, a great great time so if you've missed any one of our messages in this series Fearless or any of our other series check us out on fpclakeland.org go to the worship page sermon archive tab and uh, you can watch or listen to most if not all of the messages and the services for the last several months um, and if you missed any one of our episodes of Armchair Preaching check us out on Apple Podcasts Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Uh, subscribe, hit the like button, share it with your friends on social media, and uh, it really does help. I think I think people have really enjoyed this. It helps me uh, just to be able to talk through the sermons. I think week over week, it helps uh, kind of kind of focus my thoughts for the coming week. Mine as well. Yeah. So uh, we're going to have a couple of, uh, of, of cool weeks here at FPC with Dr. Ogden on the 5th. We've got VBS, VBS Sunday, Sunday on June the 12th. And uh, then we start a brand new series. I'm not going to tease it just yet because I don't want them to get too excited. <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to have a cool summer series um, that if you've ever had questions about how salvation works and how we understand this process of salvation um, in the Presbyterian Church at least. You're not going to want to miss that. Uh, lots of uh, answers to some questions, I think, um, and maybe some more questions being presented. As <laughs> Probably well. so. Yeah. John, thanks for your time. It's good to be here. And uh, we'll see everybody next time. <laughs>